but I tremble every time that I enter the pulpit. And uh, I tremble this morning, not because of an abject fear because of who God is, but I tremble this morning because of the weightiness of this day and the understanding of what Jesus has done for each one of us. So this morning, I want us to just, I'm going to tell a story this morning. And um, there's this little slide I want to put up that you guys can see. This is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Barabbas. And I want you to hear what happened to this man, Barabbas, and the story of Barabbas. And that each one of us really, we're a Barabbas. Let's close our eyes. Lord, we come this morning with humble and repentant hearts, Lord. We come this morning as we remember what you've done for us on the cross. That last 24 hours before you died, washing your disciples' feet, the Passover meal, and then that moment when you were led captive, and that moment that you suffered for each one of us, that you died, and Lord, you were treated on this day like a thief, but on Sunday, you're a king. And we worship you this morning, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So I want to start off, and uh, I've asked that the, the young ones are all in the service as well this morning, because I would love you to listen to the story. And I want to tell you the story about this man, Barabbas. But picture this, three men in a jail cell. Each one of them, thieves. All three of them are thieves. One is a murderer and very famous as a prisoner. He's been in jail a few times. All three of those men are condemned to die. All three of them are awaiting judgment and death. But one of them in that jail was destined to go free. One of them, Barabbas, is tossing on the floor, waiting for his executioners to come, waiting for them to arrive any moment now, waiting for the jangling of the keys of opening of the jail door. Any moment now, soldiers will come through that door and they will take him away to be mocked to be whipped, and then ultimately to be crucified. See, what was, what was Barabbas' trespass? What was the thing that caused him to be in jail? Well, let me put it this way. He deserved everything that came his way. Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was a rebel. In other words, there's a big word for it, an insurrectionist. That's what he caused, an insurrection, a, a rebellion. Even worse, during that time, he committed murder in that uprising. He was well known by all the Roman guards. 
how does it feel to be condemned and ready to die? But we'll talk about that later. You see, a few incidents in the Bible, is they are recorded in all four of the Gospels. And there's actually a very significant reason. There's a reason why this one, specifically about Barabbas, almost word for word, is recorded in all four of the Gospels. I'll quickly mention in Matthew 27, from verse 15 to 26, it's talked about. In Luke chapter 23, verse 16 to 25, talked about this incident that happened. Mark 15, verse 6 to 15, and in John 18, verse 38 to 40. And there's a reason why we see this repetition all the way through. It actually indicates a valuable spiritual lesson for each one of us. Barabbas portrays each and every member of the human race. Barabbas is you and me. You see, Barabbas was in big trouble. He wasn't just sent to his room to go clean it because it was dirty. He wasn't awaiting punishment because of something he, he slightly did wrong. No. He was in big trouble. But Barabbas heard good news. And the same good news is for you and for me today. So here's a few facts about Barabbas before we continue with our story. The first thing about Barabbas is his name. It's quite interesting. Bar Abbas. Bar son of Abbas, my father. That's what it means. Son of, the, of his father. Actually, that's what it means. And we are all sons of Adam. And because of the fall in Genesis, each one of us are sons of Adam. But in John chapter 8, verse 44, we're also the sons of Satan, our father, the devil. That's what it says, John 8, 44. If you've never read that. So before Jesus, we're all Satanists. We are. Prove me wrong. There's the scripture. You see, the next thing that, that he did was he was a lawbreaker. And in James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we all broke God's law. Every single one of us, we transgressed and we broke God's law. Even if we violate one of the laws, we've broken the whole law. We're guilty of every single one of them. The next thing is, he was an insurrectionist. Like I said, he was a rebel. And we are all rebels. See, Isaiah 53, verse 6, if we can get that quickly. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, each one of us, we're rebels. We've rebelled against him. We actually inherited Adam's nature, sin nature or rebellious nature. Another thing about Barabbas that we need to note this morning is that he was under condemnation. And as certainly as Barabbas was under sentence of death and headed for execution, so each and every one of us without Jesus are condemned. 
and we are all facing judgment. Romans 3.23 tells us that each one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There's not a person in this place this morning that said, I've never sinned. And Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us very clearly that the wages of that sin is death. But, I love that, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's the only way. So Barabbas, he was a son of his father, he was a lawbreaker, he was an insurrectionist, he was under condemnation. And lastly, he was bound and he was in chains at this very moment. You might say this morning, well, I'm not as bad as Barabbas. He was a criminal and I'm not a great sinner. I'm not that bad. I'm actually a good person. Unfortunately, we may be bigger sinners than we actually realize this morning. So let's get back to our story. Barabbas is awaiting execution. There's two other guys with him in the dungeon. They are partners in crime. But Barabbas was the chief criminal. At that moment, he was public enemy number one in AD 30. He was top of the FBI list. Okay, at that moment, that middle cross was reserved for Barabbas. I don't know if you ever thought about that. The middle cross was for him. It wasn't for Jesus. It was for him. He could hear hammering. The soldiers making that cross. He was thinking about the pain at that moment. One of the, oh, the excruciating pain that was to come. He looked at his hands. What's it going to feel like if they, they, they hit those massive spikes through my hands and my feet? His wrists and his joints will dislocate by the downward pull of his body weight. In other words, they said when they dropped them into that hole, they first dug a hole, and then they put the person on the beam. And when they dropped them, literally, what would happen is they would dislocate. Both their arms would dislocate. The problem is you didn't die because of, of a lack of water or, or, or because of the blood or anything like that. You died because you suffocated. You couldn't pull you and push yourself up to breathe anymore. And at one point... You will die of a crushed heart because you can't pull your own weight up anymore because everything is dislocated. Who's had a dislocated shoulder? Excruciating pain. I've had it before. Imagine two of those at the same time and you need to breathe. Hanging on a cross. The pain. And Barabbas is most probably in jail thinking about that pain awaiting him. You see, each nerve in his hands and his feet is screaming torture. And he will struggle to breathe. And ultimately, like I said, he will just suffocate because of compressed lungs. Oh, and the thirst, the unquenchable thirst. You get thirsty when you hang up there. And some days you might hang there for two, three days. Here's something interesting, my friends. Remember what Jesus got? 
he got vinegar water. Do you guys know what that vinegar water was for? Anybody? For the Roman soldiers when they went to the toilet to clean themselves. That's the water that Jesus drank. That's the water that they gave him because of his thirst. So Barabbas is thinking about all these things in jail. The pain. Oh, and the mocking. I'm going to hang there and people are going to throw things at me and they're going to mock me. The shame. I'm sure that Barabbas have seen other scenes of crucifixions before. And now he actually just recalls the slow agony of all the victims, sometimes lingering for days. But during the night, something is happening. Barabbas hears something unusual happening. He hears muffled voices and sudden outcries and feet stomping. What's this all about? He's unaware at this moment of the trial of Jesus before Caiaphas, the high priest. Barabbas must have thought that the soldiers were coming early to take him away. Any moment now. Oh, the agony of waiting. Also blissfully unaware of the drama that's unfolding in the judgment hall before the governor Pilate. Pilate had a major problem on his hands at that moment. A major problem. Caiaphas and his fellow leaders had brought before him a prisoner whom they claimed is worthy of death. A sentence which required ratification by the Roman governor. But Pilate sensed this prisoner was innocent. This guy standing in front of him is innocent. He did nothing wrong. He tried everything to set him free, even sending him to Herod. Everything failed. Suddenly an idea came in his head, in his mind, in Pilate's mind, flashed in his mind. It was Passover at this moment, and it was customary for the governor to release an offender. If given a choice between the prisoner Jesus, who did nothing and only did good, and then this public enemy number one, Barabbas, surely the people will pick Jesus. Barabbas could could not hear the proceedings. And certainly not the questions Pilate asked the crowd, whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ. But perhaps the prison was close enough to hear the crowd screaming, Barabbas, Barabbas. He's thinking, that's it. They're calling out for my execution now. Surely they're coming. Surely they're coming. Terrified. Barabbas was probably pressed against the door, listening, listening for the keys. Why did they call my name? What do they want? And perhaps he heard the second part when Pilate asked, 
the next question. What shall I do with Jesus? Perhaps all he could hear was crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. My time is up, Barabbas must have thought. My time is up. They are calling for my immediate crucifixion. His fear was soon confirmed when he heard the jangling of the keys and he heard the footsteps of the soldiers approaching the jail. They open the door and they point at him and they say, go. And he says, what? And they say, go. He says, stop mocking me. Why are you mocking me? They say, get out of here. And he says, why? Because you're free. And they push another man into that jail. Jesus. What? But I'm condemned to die. Are you joking? Stop adding to my torture. See, this is unbelievable. Paribus is a free man. He's free to go. He must have pinched himself at that moment a few times that he's, that he's actually saying, I'm not dreaming. I am free. I can go. Nobody's following me. Nobody's mocking me. Nobody's whipping me. Nothing. I, I can go. Matthew 27, verse 26, if we can read that. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, whipped him, delivered him to be crucified. Barabbas was released. Jesus was whipped and delivered to be crucified. Maybe Barabbas later joined the people that's outside, the, the maddening throng of people outside. Slightly hesitant. I mean, I'm free to go. You guys told me I'm free to go, but, but I'm, I'm still feeling this shame. I'm still feeling ashamed of what I've done and that I've been in jail. And then he looks at Golgotha, the place of the skull, and he sees the three crosses. He sees his partners in crime on, on the side, on the left and the right. Then he looked at the middle cross, the one that was meant for him. He didn't recognize the victim. He vaguely recalled his name. He turned to a stranger and said to him, who is that in the middle? With amazement, the stranger most probably said to him, don't you know him? That's Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, if we can read that quickly. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is the same Jesus that's hanging on the cross, the one that did good and healing people. You see, Everything he most probably heard of Jesus was only good. Barabbas shuddered. I should have been up there. Those nails were meant for my hands. That should be my blood dripping on the ground. I'm a criminal. He's innocent. 
And I believe at that moment, in that moment, Barabbas didn't have to be a theologian to figure out what it means to make amends for somebody. I don't think he needed to be a theologian to figure out what atonement really meant. He, Barabbas, was the wretch that was guilty under the righteous condemnation of the law. The sufferer, Jesus, before him had done no sin. He's done nothing wrong. Jesus was a true substitute at that very moment, a very personal substitute for Barabbas. He knew he had done nothing to merit the substitutional death. There was nothing that Barabbas could have done that could have earned him not a spot on that cross. He was free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is unquestionably free. Free indeed. This reached him most probably for the first time. I wish, I actually pray this, Lord, may Barabbas have seen pure grace at that moment. He knew Jesus' death was perfect for him. He could add nothing. Because Christ was dying, he was living. See, I'm now speculating, but if Barabbas really understood this theological ramifications in this situation, he would have been saved. Legend says, and his writings about this, that during the blackout, he ran to the foot of the cross, fell to the ground and declared, Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know much about you, but this I know, you are hanging there in my place. See, if Barabbas caught a glimpse, just a glimpse of the saving power of Jesus Christ, just a glimpse of the grace of Jesus, and threw himself on his mercy, he too would have been with Jesus in paradise, as with the other thief that was repentant. And you too, I want to say this to you, that you too can actually experience this grace right now. Donald Gray Barnhouse said this once. He says, Barabbas was the only man in the world who could say that Jesus Christ took his physical place. But can I say Jesus Christ took my spiritual place. Because Jesus took our place, we may go free, uncondemned, to live in peace, in joy, in newness of life. You see, I deserved hell, but Jesus took my hell upon himself. And there is nothing left for me but heaven. The amazing thing is, is that Colossians tells us this. It says that the righteous requirements that was against us. In other words, those things, we were condemned. The same as Barabbas. Those righteous requirements, Jesus took that 
Bible says, and he nailed it to the cross. This morning, everything that condemns you, Jesus took to the cross. I want to tell you that. And that is good news. In actual fact, that's the best news you will ever hear in your entire life. This side of eternity. Is that Jesus paid the price in full. Like Barabbas, which means son of my father. Each one of us, I am Barabbas. And I am constantly in need of God's grace. Because of sin that wants to keep us in the jail. And sin that wants to keep us in a place of condemnation. And sin that wants to cause us to die and actually be separated from God. And this morning I want to tell you that Jesus made a way on the cross. If he made it for Barabbas, physically, physically took his place. I want to say that he took his, your place spiritually. That each one of you can go free. God don't, I want to say this in, in, in ending, don't reject this free gift today. Romans 6.23, I'm going to remind you of that again. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Who wants to pay a wage? Who wants to pay it? Nobody wants to pay the wages of death. But you want a free gift. Who wants a free gift? I want a free gift. Don't reject the free gift today. Let the prison doors be swung wide open this morning that you may go free. Let's close our eyes this morning.